Well, good morning, everyone. It's been good to be in God's house already, hasn't it? Amen. I invite you to open your Bible, and you would find, <clears throat> if you'll find, the book of Second <clears throat> Thessalonians. And so we were in First Thessalonians last week. We're going to be in Second Thessalonians today. And again, this is <clears throat> written. It's an epistle, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church that was in Thessalonica. And Paul is writing to them. He has a loving relationship with them. He's helped to found that church. This is an early letter written by the pen of the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, preserved and kept by God's Spirit in this canon of God's Word. And it's written and kept for our instruction. And so there are great truths for us to learn in this wonderful book that God has preserved and kept for us. And so how many of y'all believe that God's got a good word for you today? Amen. He does. He has a good word for you. It is a word from God's word. It is a word that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and to your life. And God's got a good word for you today. We've gathered in the spirit of God. We've gathered around the word of God. We've gathered in the presence of God, and God's got a word for us. And so today, I hope that you don't just come in saying, well, it's another Sunday, I'm here to do my duty. I hope that today you're coming and say, God, speak to my heart. God, I want to hear from you. God, I believe you got a good word for my heart today. Tell your neighbor, God's got a good word for you today. He does. He's got a good word for you. Now, are you listening? Let's listen. Turn your cell phones off. If they're not on silent, put them on silent. If you think, if you go, I think it is, double check, turn it off. And then let's hear the Lord today. Amen? Amen. Second Thessalonians is where we're at today, and we're beginning in chapter number one and verse number one. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, since your faith is flourishing. And the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you among God's churches, about your perseverance and faith, and all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. Amen. Father in heaven, I pray that we might learn from your word today that we would be challenged and comforted and convicted as we hear it together today. And Father, I pray that you would help it apply it to our lives. And Father, I pray that you would change us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the burdens and cares and concerns of our life, you know them all. And so we cast those burdens on you, knowing that you care for us. Now, Father, we're trusting you. We're listening to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Paul's most likely residing in Corinth when he writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica. You remember that through difficulty and hardship, Paul was forced to leave Thessalonica through persecution and the many adversaries that had risen up against him. How they made their way along with Timothy and Silas to Berea and there um, uh, Paul makes his way then uh, down to uh, Athens and Corinth. And so he is there and Timothy and Silas later join him. And then Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on the churches there. And then Timothy comes back home and reports then to Paul how God is working powerfully among his people. And Paul can't help but break out in thanksgiving to God because he recognizes what's happening among them as Timothy's description is the work of God among them. And it causes him to break out in praise and gratefulness to God. And I, I, I thought about the sermon title, and it's kind of like this. What makes your pastor really grateful? And here's the gratefulness that we see. I ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, verse 3. And rightly so. Why? Because your faith is what? Flourishing. And the love they have for each other is what? Increasing. And then we're boasting among you about, God, about your perseverance in all of your afflictions and how you're enduring. And so today, that's kind of what makes a pastor grateful. Not the size of the congregation, not the facilities of the, that the church congregation might meet in, not the programs that they run, not the music that they sing, not the wealth that they may have. Not the status that they may uh, have in the community, but instead that their faith is growing and their love is abounding and their perseverance and patience, it just keeps strengthening and that their testimony is giving glory to God. Amen. So today, let's look at that text together. First of all, he says their faith is growing. And this causes him to break out and praise to God because he sees their faith is flourishing, it says in my translation today. The New American Standard says your faith is greatly enlarged. King James says your faith groweth exceedingly. It means it's measurable and it's evident the faith that they have toward God, that their faith is indeed tested. It is being proven, and it is being proven as genuine and real. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, just look over a couple of pages to verse number 6, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, because of these, no, that's wrong, that isn't right. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6, but now Timothy has come to us, from you and it brought us good news about your faith and love and reported that always you always have good memories of us that you long to see us and we also long to see you therefore brothers and sisters in all our distress and affliction we were encouraged about you through your faith for now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experienced 
before our God because of you. And as we pray very earnestly, night and day, to see your face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. And may he make our hearts blameless in holiness before our God at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. He said, you know, what makes me happy is you're standing firm. You're standing firm in the Lord. You're abounding in love for one another. And you're abounding in your love for God. And you're living a holy life. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 1, 1 Thessalonians says, Additionally, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus as you've received instruction from us on how you should live. And please, God, as you're doing, do this even more. Keep on growing in your faith. Keep on growing in your walk with God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 2, we always thank God for all of you, making mentioning of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, he's, He has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, with full assurance. And you know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit, and you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Wow. He said, you know what? I know how you received the Lord. I know that it was God's choice of you. I know that it was the work of the Holy Spirit. I saw the evidence of faith, hope, and love in you. And I know that even in the middle of hardship, you were growing in your faith and your walk with God. You know, hardship comes in our life, doesn't it? But when hardship comes into our life, is God done working with us? No, it's in the midst of that hardship, God is working in us. So that our faith may be stronger and stronger in much tribulation. Notice with me the book of Romans, chapter number 5. Do you have your Bible? Look with me. Romans chapter number 5. And notice verse number 3. And not only that, we boast in our afflictions. We brag, we celebrate in our afflictions. Why? Because we know that affliction produces what? Endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love's been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Has the Holy Spirit been given to you? Yes. The Spirit of Christ dwells in you. And God is at work in you and in the hardships, in the trials, in the difficulties 
Hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God's been poured out in our hearts. And so tribulation comes and helps bring perseverance and proven character. And it brings hope into your life. It is no matter how hard the trial, the difficulty, or the hardship that might come against you, the Spirit of God is dwelling in you and He's changing you to be more like Jesus. Isn't that good news? Man, their faith was genuine and evident. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let's press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. The question is, are you maturing in your faith? He says, let's don't get stuck. Let's keep growing up into maturity and this is one of the things that Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica. He says, he, to Thessalonica. He says, Timothy's come back to me and reported to me how God's at work among you. And that you are growing in depth and maturity. This is what makes every pastor so happy that he sees his people growing up and getting stronger in the Lord. And their faith is putting down deep roots and they are not blown about by every wind of doctrine, but they're, they're stable and strong and living for Jesus Christ. How do you know that you're mature in faith? What are some of the evidences of, of a mature, maturing faith, that you're growing up? When my kids were little, we used to measure our growth, remember? And you'd put a little mark on the door and uh, on the wall on a chart and how they're growing and how tall they're getting, how strong they are. You're measuring your growth. Some of you go to the gym. You keep records in the gym. I've been thinking about going to the gym, but I haven't gone yet. And so you're measuring your growth, how well you're doing, how much stronger you're getting. You're, you're wanting to measure it. What about your spiritual growth? Are you feeding yourself? Are you in the Word of God? Are you taking it in? Is God speaking to you? Are, you? are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your prayer life? Are you growing in your understanding of the Word of God? Are you, underst are you understanding your purpose in life? That God called you, left you here on this planet for a purpose, and, and God's got a plan for you? Are you following Him? Are you overcoming sin in your life? Are you seeing those things that often would beset you now being set free from those things and you're not living that kind of sinful life back to same repentance patterns again and again? Are you overcoming sin? Are you serving the Lord? Are you forgiving people? Are you genuinely forgiving other people? Are you thinking the best about others? Are you encouraging other people with your words, building them up in their faith? This is what mature believers do. Are you investing your life in other people so that they might grow closer to Christ and might use their gifts for the glory of God? Are you pouring your life into somebody else? This is what mature believers do. Mature believers are investing in others. Mature believers are trying to win souls to Christ. And mature believers are faithful to God and to the local church. Somebody should have said amen right there. They're dressing and they're putting on the full armor of God. They realize that we're in a spiritual warfare. And they're not, they're not laissez-faire about their faith. And they're not sleepwalking in this life. 
And they're keenly aware of a spiritual awareness with a spiritual warfare and a spiritual awareness. And they're trying to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Because as I walk, if I walk by the Spirit, I will not carry out the desires of the flesh. This is a maturing faith. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice, wickedness, all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, word so that you may grow in respect to salvation. 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Notice, put aside. That means to take off. Put out malice, wickedness, deceitfulness, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Those things are polluting things to your soul. And then put in, you put out these things, you lay them aside. And so you put in or put on or take in. The unadulterated Word of God, the pure Word of God, the, the, the sweetness and the purity, not the Word of God watered down, not the Word of God mixed with other people's opinions, but the Word of God, and it changes your life. Amen? Amen? I love my morning coffee. I sometimes love my afternoon coffee. And I even enjoy my evening coffee. As long as it doesn't keep me up at night. I will confess that sometimes I leave my morning coffee in my office and I forget about it. Sometimes I've been known to leave it in my office at home for several days. I heard that amen from over this direction somewhere. When you discover that morning coffee several mornings later and you pull back the lid, I've noticed there's a growth on top of there. Sometimes it it's disgusting. And I go, ah. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not the only lazy one in here, right? <laughs> or maybe it's in the basket on your coffee maker and you forgot to take the grounds out and now it's growing something in there. Here's what I know. That, that nastiness... I'm not going to pour new coffee on it and drink it. I need to take that out and cleanse that. And now it can receive this fresh cup of coffee. Some of you are stuck in your spiritual growth because you're not turning from your sin. And turning toward God. There needs to be a repentance and a forsaking. 
And the only, what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Confess your sins. Repent. Experience the cleansing in your life. And fill me, God, with your word. Change me to make me more like you. Amen. Now for this very reason also, it says in 2 Peter chapter 1. Look with me. I think we have this text. Now for this very reason also. Do we, do we have this text? For this reason, for 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. If not, just do it the old-fashioned way. Look in your Bible. All right. Oh, there it is. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. Now, for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, Brotherly kindness and love. This is what Peter says. He says, apply diligence in your faith. Grow in your faith. And he says, supply moral excellence. Live right, morally, pure, and in and knowledge. And then that knowledge, understanding how to live the life, self-control. Don't live by the deeds of the flesh. Self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. Stay with it. Endure. And then godliness. You begin to live a godly life. And in that godliness, it will show itself in brotherly kindness, in brotherly kindness, in real love. I submit to you the reason we don't love each other is because we're not growing spiritually. But when you grow spiritually, you'll grow in your love for one another. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now listen, listen to me. I'm going to meddle for a moment. God saved you so that you'd be transformed. He saved you so that you would be changed, that you'll be fruitful. He changed you. He changed you so that you might live a new life and live like, look like, act like Jesus Christ. This is what God wants to do in you. Would you take a moment with me and just evaluate your own spiritual maturity? If you were to, if you were to, if you were to say f- from one to four, and, and you can write this down if you'd want. Number one, in your spiritual, if you, if you, if you would evaluate yourself as one in your spiritual maturity, that means that you are mature or maturing in your faith, that you're growing in your faith, 
that you're overcoming sin, that you are committed to serving Jesus Christ passionately, that you're trusting in the Lord, that you're feasting in his word, that you're witnessing to others, and that you're serving using your gifts for the glory of God. Maybe you say, I'm not quite there, but I'm developing. That would be number two. You might give yourself a two. Well, I'm not really mature or maturing yet, but I am developing. And that by developing means I'm not as consistent as I want to be. I let anxiousness or anxiety derail me. I'm still fighting some of the old habits that trip me up and I'm not finding liberty yet but my heart's desire is to develop and to grow some of you might rate yourself not one or two but three meaning stagnant I've lost I've lost my discipline. I seem to be easily hurt and I coddle my hurts. I hold grudges. I gossip about others. I find myself envious. I pretend to be happy, but I really lack joy. And maybe somebody today says, I think my condition's even worse than that. And you might evaluate yourself as a four. And in a four position, I feel evaluation depleted spiritually. I feel like I never hear anything from the Lord. I'm not really serving Him. I feel defeated. I know I need to repent of my sin. My joy is lost. I'm easily hurt. And my tongue and my words and my attitude are not right. Let me say to you that at whatever evaluation of your own spiritual maturity this morning, the Lord loves you. He loves you right where you're at. But the Lord wants to move you. He wants to move you to a closer, deeper walk with him. And God's speaking today. And I don't know where you're at today. But I know one thing. I know he's right here. And he's saying, come to me. And if you'll come to me, him... He will set you back on the path 
of growth in your life spiritually. Amen. Today's a day of new beginning. Amen. Amen. Number two, their love was abounding. Their love was abounding. It means their love was increasing. The love was growing greater toward one another. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12 it says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in your love for one another and for all people, just as we do for you. Hmm. How can God do that? Where your love is abounding in love for one another? You might think that the way that happens is, is because God gives you all these easy and wonderful blessings all the time, and that's what makes you love other people. But, you know, he does bless us incredibly, doesn't it? And it should lead us, and his kindness should lead us to loving one another. But often it's in the furnace of difficulty God teaches us about loving. Faith is exercised. Faith exercised in suffering produces love. Galatians 5, 6 says, faith working through love. It's in trials and tribulations and temptations that we draw near to God. And when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. It's in trials and temptations and difficulties that we lean on him. We lean into him. We rest on him. And when we do, he sustains us. He strengthens us. And he draws near to us. In 1 Peter, chapter number 1, 1 Peter, chapter 1, look with me to 1 Peter, chapter number 1, in verse number 6. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. Listen, it's in those trials and difficulties there's the sweetness of the presence of the Lord. Years and years ago, I was in Bulgaria and there I met a man who had been imprisoned as a pastor and a leader for 12 years under the communist in Bulgaria because of his evangelism efforts. 12 long years. He told about the difficulties of being in a prison cell. He told about the difficulties of being separated from his family. He told about the ways they tried to get him to turn from his faith and recant his faith. They would come in and say, you know, if you recant from your faith, we can make life easier for you. 
But if you refuse, we'll make it difficult for you. They removed his bed and he had to sleep on the hard floor. They removed his blanket and he had to sleep on bricks on the cold floor. They would come in to him and they would say, if you recant from your faith, then you can see your children. Your children miss you. Don't you miss your children? You could see your children again if you just recant and turn from your faith. They would come in and say, won't you just say that it's not true? And recant. And if you recant, you'll be sleeping at home tonight next to your wife in a warm bed. But with many other trials, they tried to tempt him to turn from his faith. And he said, when I lay on the floor shivering at night, he said, the Lord would come next to me. And the Lord would be faithful to me. And the Lord would give me comfort. And the Lord would hold me. And the Lord would help me. And I was never more close in all my life to the Lord than in those dark days. Wow. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Love is how we interact with other people. This is what God is doing, is working on our hearts, even through trials and tribulations, that we might love more and more and more. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. And whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Love is the perfect bond of unity. Amen. What holds us together? It's love. It's the Lord's love in us and love for one another. Amen. That's what holds us together. We got a problem with our mailbox out in front of our house. It's got a magnet that holds the little flap door closed and it keeps falling off. And Christy was working on it this week. And she said, I got to find the right bond, the right glue that will hold that magnet to that mailbox. And so she got the super duper gorilla glue and put all on the hot magnet and put it up inside the mailbox. And she closed the lid and she thought it was good. But the magnet fell and landed in the bottom of the mailbox wet side down and now it's super duper stuck in the wrong place in the mailbox what is the glue that holds us together 
It's love. It's the perfect bond of unity. But when a church loses its love, its love for God and love for each other, that church will not be strong and held together. Finally, their patience and their perseverance was increasing. The trials bring the perseverance. Tribulation bringeth perseverance. Job chapter 5 verse 17 says, See how happy is the person who God corrects. So do not reject the discipline of the Almighty. Job 23.10 says, Yet he knows the way I've taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light momentary affliction is producing for us an absolute, incomparable, eternal weight of glory. Amen. God uses the trials to grow us and to help us and to strengthen us. And he never, ever wastes suffering. But every various and difficult trial that comes, God uses it to shape and change us. Amen. I'm out of time. But their testimony was spread throughout all of the region. And Paul says, it is sounding forth from you everywhere. And we speak proudly of you. You're a testimony to other people. Your strength and your love and your perseverance and your faith. Because your faith is growing. Your love is abounding. And your patience and perseverance is increasing. Because you're in love with Jesus. You're in love with others. And God is working in you. Let me ask you, are you in love with Jesus? <laughs> Come on now. Are you in love with Jesus? No, really. Are you? Are you in love with Jesus? Oh, I love to sing about Jesus. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music to my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Amen. Amen. It tells me what my father has in store for every day. And though I tread some darksome paths, yield sunshine all the way. It tells me of the one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear alone. below. Amen. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Jesus 
is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Because Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him with all of your heart? Do you want to live for him? When did it ever come all about us? How can we make it all about him? Jesus. Jesus. Listen, he saved me. He lives in me. He's my Lord and my master, my king. I want to live for him. I want to look to him. I want to lean on him. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He is with us always. He loves you with an everlasting love. Jesus. Last week I talked about in the little church where I grew up, we sang all kinds of little choruses that warmed our hearts. One of them was this. It's just a simple little song. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over, over and over again. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over, over and over again. Do you keep falling in love with him? He loves you. Do you love him? Will you live for him? Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you for the word. It's powerful. Thank you for this church that Paul wrote to. I thank you for these words kept for our instruction. Oh, Father, I pray that today you'd have your way in our lives. Lord, some of us have evaluated that we are not really mature in our faith. They were consumed with grudges and envying and jealousy and hypocrisy. That our words are not filled with lifting up and encouragement, but negativity. Father, some of us feel lost, empty. Others of us feel a closeness and a nearness. So, Father, take it where wherever we're at. I pray that you would impress on our spirit today to run to Jesus and fall in love with him again. Be filled with him again. And to apply diligence into our spiritual growth and development. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. You come as we sing.